If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Hmm. That'll, that'll preach. Uh, well, grab your Bibles if you haven't already got them out near you and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 5. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're in a series of messages entitled Witnesses as we study our way through the book of Acts. And um, last Sunday, before we get to this Sunday's passage, I just wanted to mention about last Sunday's passage. You know, there was a lot of easy, easy to preach, easy to talk about things last week's passage. Um, it was one of those passages with really lighthearted topics, you know, things like how we can kind of slip into being deceivers and uh, hypocrites. And I think, I think what was said is if you lie, you die. No, that probably wasn't what was said. But it was a, but it was a passage full of easy, easy to preach topics. So I thought I would leave town and give that to Pastor Jake. Yes. No, I mean, uh, no, that is not what happened. Glad, glad to have Pastor Jake take care of that and continue to bring us to God's Word and to continue to bring us through the book of Acts, this series called Witnesses. And uh, really, as we think about this title of the series and we think about um, working our way through the whole book, we often look back to chapter 1, verse 8, and think about the fact that you, followers of Jesus, are to be his witnesses, God's witnesses. You, followers of Jesus, in Christ, you are called to be testifiers, proclaimers, conduits of God's love and proclaimers of all that he has done for us. You will be my witnesses, Jesus says. Um, and, and then the other beautiful thing there that we don't want to miss there is that God is with us in it, that we are empowered by his spirit, that it's his spirit living within us that empowers us to live for him, that we're not uh, left on our own trying to figure out what it looks like to represent Jesus, to be ambassadors for Christ. And at Faith Church, we sometimes say this, that Faith Church is a family of growing Jesus followers, of spirit-led Jesus followers who glorify God and live on mission together. And so then sometimes we look at that and we say, okay, we're, we're a family, we're growing in Christ, we're following the lead of the Holy Spirit, we want to be on mission together. Well, what is that mission? That mission is that we as followers of Jesus want to help other people find life in Jesus. That we as followers of Jesus are called to be witnesses. That we are, as followers of Jesus are called to make disciples. As disciples of Jesus ourselves. we want God to use us to help other people become disciples as well. And so that's the mission we want to live on together. So we're calling this series, what? Witnesses. And we've already talked, though, in recent weeks about the challenge that this brings up for for some of us, for many of us. Uh, What are some of the reasons that we avoid this calling, that, that we're not sure we want to obey this particular command of being a follower of Jesus? We know we're supposed to make disciples. We know God has empowered us by his Holy Spirit. God himself living within us wants us to be proclaimers for him. And yet we find ourselves really struggling with how to live this out and what that looks like. And we, we maybe put, we have obstacles. We think of things. We put obstacles in our path of why we're not going to do this. Reasons, perhaps excuses. We, we've acknowledged in recent weeks that fears, our various fears are, are probably widespread and understood that maybe get in the way of our willingness to live out this calling as witnesses. Perhaps we say things to ourselves like, it's too hard. 
Perhaps we say things to her. We gather as a church family. We gather as followers of Jesus, and we know that we're to be witnesses. And perhaps we still kind of look around and go, somebody else will do that. There's somebody else that'll be a witness. I'll just keep doing my Christian thing. But if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And Faith Church is a family of growing Jesus followers who glorify God and live on mission together. Open your Bible to Acts chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 17. Love you to bring your Bible with us or pull up the Bible app on your device and find the book of Acts. And in just a moment here, I'm going to start reading Acts chapter 5, verse 17. And as we often do, we'll read a few verses and we'll stop and consider what God is, uh, has for us this morning and we'll continue through the passage like that. So as we start here in in verse 17, what's been happening in the early chapters of Acts? The early chapters of Acts really tell us the story of the beginnings of the church, the beginnings of this movement of Jesus followers. And what's been happening in in the passages leading up to today is that God is at work. And we've seen God at work in the miraculous. We've seen God work in people being healed. We've seen God at work in the fact that this young church, this beginnings of the Christian church is growing rapidly, that multitudes are putting their faith in Jesus. The passage just a few verses before where we're going to start says that multitudes were finding life in Jesus. And, and, uh, and yet, there's some that are missing out including some of the Jewish religious leaders who are kind of missing out on the fact that Jesus is the promised rescuer, that the Jewish people had long hoped for this promised Messiah or coming rescuer, and now Jesus is here, and he's fulfilling all that the Bible says about who the rescuer would be, and yet some of God's people, the Jewish people, are missing it. Chapter 5, verse 7. I said verse 17. Uh, Hold on. (laughs) Oh, yes, verse 17. Got to find the right spot in my notes. So some are missing it. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, these Jewish religious leaders, and they were filled with jealousy, and out of their jealousy and out of, out of wanting to maintain control of the religious community and, and make sure their message gets out, not this new message, Verse 18 says they arrested the apostles, these early leaders in the Christian church. They arrested the apostles and put them in the prison. Now, if you're like me, when you get to this passage, you, you might, if you've been following the series with us, you might go, wait a second, didn't we already talk about this? Because we've already had in chapter 4 one of the apostles or a couple of the apostles thrown in jail. We've already had a situation uh, back in chapter 4 where, where these followers of Jesus are preaching the resurrection, that Jesus is alive again, and then they are arrested. They're told, what are they told by the leaders to do? Stop preaching. Stop talking about Jesus. Stop talking about resurrection. And they, their, their answer to that is, <laughs> their answer to that is, uh, there's times when we could listen to you or we could listen to God. So they keep preaching, and yet these religious leaders were afraid of how the people would respond, and so they were released from jail. This is chapter 4 still. They were released, and they continued to preach the good news of Jesus with boldness. And this is because we we looked at this idea a couple weeks ago, that despite adversity, spirit-filled, 
followers of Jesus, Jesus' followers have the Spirit of God living within them, and despite adversity, Spirit-filled witnesses boldly proclaim Jesus. I think we can put that on the screen, and that's just a reminder of where we've been and how themes that we've already covered in the book of Acts are going to continue to show themselves as we continue to study. That despite difficult circumstances, despite what's going on around us, despite how we might feel about our calling as witnesses, we have the Spirit of God enabling us to boldly proclaim what Jesus has done. So verse 18 says that these leaders arrested the apostles and put them in prison. Now, for fun, I want us to skip to to the second part of verse 21. We'll come back to the verses we skip. But we know that the apostles got thrown in prison. And let's skip to the end of verse 21. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council of all the senate of the people of Israel, and they sent to the prison to have these prisoners brought. Now, when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned to the council and reported, "Uh, we found the prison securely locked. And the guards were standing at the doors, but when we opened the doors, uh, uh, trail off, dot, 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 there was no one inside, sir. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed and perhaps fearful for their lives, by the way, of having lost these prisoners. Wondering what this would come to. Now, uh, a, quick moment, a quick note of, of context again. We've talked about this before, but I want to mention again that these particular um, religious leaders, the Sadducees, are those religious leaders that believe in the first few books of the Old Testament, that consider themselves to be followers of God, that believe in his word in the, script, in the early scriptures. And yet, the Sadducees deny the realities of resurrection from the dead. And so the message of Jesus bothers them. And in addition to that, not only do the Sadducees deny resurrection, but the Sadducees also deny other supernatural occurrences like angels, like the realities of heaven and hell, uh, and other supernatural works. So keep that in mind about the Sadducees. Now, the apostles had gotten thrown in jail, and yet when they wanted to get the council and kind of interrogate these guys... What happened? They couldn't find him. So what happened in between there? Look back at verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said to them, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now, There's a little disagreement about what that this life is, but we have plenty of reason to think what what it is. Go and speak and tell of this life could be the fact that Jesus referred to himself as the way, the truth, and the life. So go and speak this life. We know elsewhere in Scripture that early Christians, the beginnings of the church, were referred to as the way. You were followers of the way. And and so one thought is this could also be another way that the early Christians were referred to as the life, the followers of the life. So so either way, the message is the same, right? That the angel of the Lord says to them, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people the words of Jesus. 
the life that is found in Jesus, the message of the gospel, the good news that we can be saved through Christ. So, these apostles, question for you. These apostles, what happened because they were preaching Jesus? Here in, in chapter 5, what happened to them because they were preaching Jesus? They got thrown in jail. What did the angel then say they should keep doing? Sharing about Jesus. And so, as we ask God to help us understand Scripture, as we work our way through a passage, as we teach our way through the book of Acts, this is a history lesson. This is true facts from history. But it's not as meaningful to us unless we let it get from head of history to heart of what God has to change our lives today in 2022. So the question I have for you then is, when it comes to following Jesus, do we sometimes value our safety, our comfort, our convenience, our ease, our security? Do we sometimes value those things more than being obedient to our calling as witnesses? You are a follower of Jesus. If, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you, and your identity is to be his witnesses, to be testifiers, proclaimers, conduits of the amazing good news of what Jesus has done. And yet, these guys were thrown in jail. They, they could have said, man, this is uncomfortable. I'm, not, I'm tired of being in jail. I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want to get beat up. Forget this. So the angel says to them to do what? Go and preach. Tell the good news of Jesus. Now verse 21. And when the apostles heard that from the angel of the Lord, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Um, for God, is his plan for the good news of Jesus derailed by the apostles being put in, in jail? It, it, this is just a, this is just barely a little hiccup, and it's an, it's a hiccup that doesn't even cause God problems. It's a problem. It's a, it's a situation that is easily overcome, and these men are right back to being witnesses. And I and we got to have some fun with this part, don't we? We got to we got to at least acknowledge the irony here. The guys, the religious leaders that threw the apostles in jail, don't believe in what angels. Guess who God sent to rescue the apostles? And what we want this story, what we want this true history story to tell us and remind us, both what we've already studied and what we're going to continue to study in the next few minutes, is this, that we have an unstoppable God. That his kingdom is advancing. That his rule and reign continues and will continue and will be fulfilled. That the gospel good news of what Jesus has done will spread. That those who need to hear about Jesus will hear. That is the God that we have. And therefore, if those things are true and our God is unstoppable and that he sends angels to open prison doors when people that didn't believe in it, I mean, if that's how God works, then we as witnesses can be bold. 
then we as his people can be confident because we know that God's purposes prevail. We know that he calls us to be witnesses. And if he calls us to be witnesses, God has your back. Where God calls you, he empowers you. He, you will have, the, the followers of Jesus have his support. The church that proclaims this, this gospel good news has the guidance of our great God, has the power of our great God, has the protection of our great God. He's unstoppable. And so if he, if those on the screen are true, then, then we can be strong, you and I, followers of Jesus, can be strong in our support for Jesus. Then you and I, as followers of Jesus, can listen to his commands, including the somewhat uncomfortable command to go and make disciples, and we can do that with confidence and boldness. Because God is with us. Even under pressure, we can be obedient to God's call and leading. So back to our passage. We have these, the council has, has put the apostles in jail. The angel has let them out of jail. The, now we're back to this part here where the council is scratching their heads and wondering what happened. Wait a second, what? You went to the jail and you were supposed to bring them over here and, and what? They weren't there? Yeah. Here's verse, so now we continue at verse 25. Someone came and told them, the council, look, Oh, I told, you the, I told you the wrong part of the story. Okay, so yes. So they've already come. Where are we? <laughs> I did this last time, too. Lost my place in the notes. Okay, yes, yes. Okay, here we go. Yes, I told you, right? They were in jail. They're not in jail anymore. They went to preach in the temple. And now, verse 25, someone came and told them, Look, the men who you put in prison are now standing in the temple and teaching the people. They're, they're not where we thought they were. we're not, they're not where you said they were, and we don't get it. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, note this, uh, but not by force, because they were afraid of being stoned by the people. So they've already arrested the guys once. They're miraculously released from prison by an angel, and now they're going to go over and go like, uh, hey guys, can you come over here and talk to the council? Like, please, pretty please because I could get in trouble if we do that, anything else. And when they had brought them, verse 27, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Whose name? We strictly charged you not to teach in the name of Jesus. Yet here, note this phrase, and we're going to come back to it. Yet here, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They, they, they were feeling uh, under the gun because Jesus' death was being blamed on them. Verse 29, But Peter and the apostles answered, again, sounds similar to chapter 4, but Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Again, we have this reminder here that there are times in our lives when we are to serve God above anything else. There are other important things in our life. There are other important influences in our life. There are other places we can get information. There are other places that we should respond to and listen to in our lives. And yet there are times when we are to serve God before and above anyone or anything else. And, you know, again, this is something we've reminded ourselves about recently, but it's, it's worth saying again here that most often 
We are to submit to our governing authorities. The Bible is clear in multiple places that the governing authorities are put in place by God, that there is no authority that has not been put in place by God. And so the great majority of the time, perhaps, we are to respect and honor and submit to the governing authorities. And yet this indication here in the the book of Acts clearly tells us that there are times when obeying God is going to mean disobeying God the civil authorities. Specifically, if the authorities are trying to stop us from worshiping Jesus together. Specifically, if the authorities try to prevent my ability to share the good news of Jesus. If if the efforts of other authorities or influences in our life are trying to, to go against gospel proclamation or against who we can worship, then... There are times like the apostles did here where we say we must obey God rather than men. So the apostles are brought before the council. The council says, hey, we told you not to preach Jesus. And what does Peter do when he gets a chance to speak? Anytime Peter gets a chance to speak here in the early chapters of Acts, when Peter gets a chance to speak, what does he do? Verse 30. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. When Peter has a chance to open his mouth, Peter yet again proclaims the gospel good news. The gospel is the spectacular news that you and I are not left stuck in our sin and our rebellion against God. The gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners like you and I from from death, from, from doom and consequences into new life and forgiveness of sin The gospel is the good news that because of Jesus, we can have new life too. And you receive that free gift of God's grace by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. This isn't something we work for. This isn't something you have to earn. We receive God's free gift of salvation, of being made right with God, of being put back in relationship with him, of being, having our sins forgiven, of being adopted into his family. All of that comes as we receive God's free gift of salvation by putting our trust, our faith in Jesus to save us. And then when you put your trust in Jesus by faith, those words that we sang a few minutes ago are true, that we were once lost and are now found, that we were once blind and can now see, that where there was death, there is now life in Jesus. And so Peter is again preaching the good news of Jesus, and then in verse 32 he says, and we are witnesses to these things. We have seen Jesus work in our life. We have seen him dead, buried, and resurrected to new life. So Peter says in verse 32, we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit who has given to those who obey him. Despite being thrown in jail, despite being told not to preach, God opens prison doors, God gives spirit-filled boldness to his people. We see yet again that despite adversity, spirit-filled witnesses proclaim Jesus with boldness. We see that it doesn't matter their circumstances. It doesn't matter how comfortable it is or how inconvenient it might be for them or or that they're 
told not to preach the good news of Jesus, does any of that derail God's purposes? He opens prison doors by sending an angel. He sends his spirit to embolden and empower us to speak for him and to live for him. And then I think back to that phrase in verse 28 that I said we would come back to. And what if we substituted our city, Dallas, in there for Jerusalem? Or what if we substituted Polk County in there where the word Jerusalem is? Or what if we substituted in there where Jerusalem is? What if we substituted the word Oregon? Wouldn't it be great if as a result of God, our great God, working in and through his people, Faith Church, wouldn't it be great if what people said about Faith Church was that we have filled Dallas with the gospel good news of Jesus? Wouldn't it be great if what people said about Faith Church was that we had filled Polk County with God's overflowing love, overflowing out of us and to those around us? Wouldn't it be great if God, if people looked around and knew about this, this church family and said, they have filled Oregon with the gospel good news that Jesus brings life. So let's keep going. Verse 33. When the Jewish leaders heard this, the good news of Jesus, they were enraged and wanted to kill the apostles. But a Pharisee, another, a member of kind of a different related religious group of leaders, but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was held in honor by all the people, he stood up and gave orders to the men to put the men, the apostles, outside for a bit. He said, let's put them outside. Let's talk as leaders. And in verse 35, Gamaliel says to the council, Men of Israel, take care what you do to these men, with these men. And then he proceeds to, to um, kind of give two stories of these would-be messiahs, these, these potential rescuers that had come before and turned out to be imposters, and nothing came of it. So here's what he says. Let's, he, he said to them, Before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed, and that episode came to nothing. Verse 37, after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census, and he drew away some of the people to follow him and, and, and believe what he was saying. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. In other words, that episode too came to nothing. We thought it was this big deal. We thought, the religious leaders, we thought it was going against us. We thought they were going to take some of our people away. And it just went away. So Gamaliel says in verse 38, So, in this present case, with this group of apostles, with this message of Jesus that they're sharing, in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan... This message that they are preaching, or this undertaking, is if it's of man, if it's of human origin, it will what? Fail. It'll go away like these other uprisings before. But Gamaliel says, but in verse 39, but if it is of God, if their message, if their mission, if, if this undertaking that these apostles are leading is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. 
you might even find yourself opposing God. I just, I, right there, I was reminded this week of, of the simple verse from Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? And better than the word if up there, we could translate that since. Since God is for us, who can be against us? What, what this message or what this passage in Acts is reminding us this morning, church family, is that God is behind his church. That this new movement in, in the book of Acts, this, the beginnings of the Christian church, that God is with them, that he's behind them. The way, the truth, and the life, Jesus followers, God is with you. And if God is with you, then who can be against us? We have an unstoppable God. His kingdom advances. Gospel proclamation cannot be thwarted. Teaching the good news of Jesus is not going to be stopped. And therefore, what, 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 do we, what do we take away from that? You individually, me individually, as a follower of Jesus, how do we look at the screen there and, and, and absorb those realities and then go, what does that mean for me? It means that I can be strong in my support of Jesus. It means that I can be strong and confident in obeying his commands. It means that if he tells me to be a witness for him, an ambassador for him, a testifier, a proclaimer, that he's with me. And, and, and the other thing that's happening in this passage, just historically, real quick, and this is important, is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Jewish religious system. I said earlier that some were missing it. Jesus is the arrival of the promised rescuer. But some of the Jewish people were believers in God and had been hoping for the rescuer and yet were missing it in Jesus. And so these passages in the early book of Acts are significant because as, as the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders and these new proclaimers of Jesus are clashing, what we see is, is that the way God was primarily working was within his people Israel. And now he has brought about this new era of the, of the promised rescuer, the arrival of Jesus, and Jesus is the fulfillment of their belief system. And so now as the two are clashing and not coming to the same page, what we see here is the apostles' message, the gospel message of Jesus is the hope for God's people, not the Jewish religious system. That's what's rubbing up against each other here in this chapter, and we're going to see it more in the book of Acts, that that the Jewish religious system is now coming at odds with this new proclamation that life is in Jesus. And that's where hope lies for God's people. And so these leaders that were missing it wanted to kill the apostles. And you and I as followers of Jesus are going to experience difficulty as well. We may too experience rejection and hostility, perhaps even persecution, but what did Gamaliel say? If this undertaking is from God, you will not be able to stop it. So we can go, church family. We can go about our calling. We can go about living out the mission of Jesus with bold confidence, even under pressure, even under persecution, even under difficult circumstances, even if it's a little uncomfortable for us, we can be obedient to God's call and his leading. 
Because God is with us. Faith Church is a family of growing Jesus followers who glorify God and live on mission together. We are to live as witnesses. We are to make disciples. And if God is for us, what? Yeah, this is our calling. This is who we are as a church family. We are to live on mission, to be his ambassadors, to be testifiers for the goodness of what he has done for us. And the fact that new life comes because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And if God is for us, if God is with us, then we're not alone on that mission, are we? If God is for us, if God is with us, then it's not up to just us on our own efforts or on my own talents or on my own strength to be a good witness. Instead, what God calls us to, he equips us for. For those of us that are in Jesus, we live out the mission of Jesus because Jesus is in us. Galatians 2.20 says that in Jesus, it is no longer I who live, but Jesus who lives in me and through me. You're not alone, church family, on this mission, on this calling as witnesses, as, as testifiers. Let's finish the passage here. Verse 39. So the Jewish leaders took Gamaliel's advice, and when they had called the apostles... They beat them. They said, don't preach Jesus. We told you this before. So they called him in there. Gamaliel had said, leave him alone. Don't mess with him. If this is from God, you won't be able to stop it. But to, in an effort to mete out sort of a human consequence, the apostles are beaten and then charged again, told again, to not speak in the name of Jesus. And then they're let go. We've talked about how God is unstoppable, how his kingdom advances. We've talked about how he is with us, how he is for us. And church family, there are many times in your life where you're going to experience the blessing of that where you're going to experience knowing and experiencing that God is with you, that he's working in you, that he's protecting you, that he's supporting you, that he's guiding you in your life and the mission. And then there's going to be other times where those things are still true, where God is still with you, where he is guiding you, where he is supporting you, where he has your back, and yet you're not necessarily going to feel it or experience it because you're going to come across earthly circumstances that are adverse that are against you, that are turmoil, that feel like a roller coaster, that feel like it's not going anywhere, that you wonder where God is. Ukrainian Christians right now are feeling some adversity. They're not, do, do they question God's presence, support, guidance? Or are these opportunities for them and for us to recognize that our circumstances may be difficult, that, that our earthly lives include difficulty and trial and hardship, and when we don't experience or feel God's comfort and presence and empowering and support and guidance, it's still true. And you know when it's still true? Especially eternally. 
There are times when we'll experience those things on this side of eternity, on our earthly experience. But if we don't experience all those things on this side of eternity, they are true beyond our lives. We have his presence eternally. Our salvation is secure. His protection is is over the most ultimate doom. We are protected eternally. We are saved ultimately because of Jesus. So let's finish the passage, verse 41. Then they left the presence of the council. The apostles left the presence of the council having just been beaten. Verse 41 again. Look with, look with me at it. Then they left the presence of the council having just been beaten. And does it say what I think it says? It says they left rejoicing. Worshiping God. That they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple... And from house to house, they did not cease. (laughs) Teaching and preaching that Jesus is the rescuer. So look at with me those last couple verses one more time, and then I'm going to close in prayer. Look at those last two verses and go, what are two things that the apostles respond with? In this situation, having been arrested and released, arrested and released, beaten and released, What two responses do we see from them? Verse 41, and they left the presence of the council rejoicing, finding joy in God despite their circumstances. And every day in the temple from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is the rescuer. Because church family, If God is for us, who can be against us? Great God in heaven, you are the only one who is worthy of our praise. God, may you be the one that we worship now and always. Father in heaven, we want to live for you. We gather together on Sundays. We we have a difficult life. We have a difficult days. We often our Monday through Saturdays are painful and, and a roller coaster. And our church family at times is hurting. And, our, and individually as believers at times we are experiencing trial and difficulty and hardship. And yet, God, we gather together on Sundays to hear you, to see you, to encourage one another, and to be reminded that you, our great God, the creator of the universe, is with us. God, may we encourage each other that you are with us, that you are for us. And so we thank you this morning for your presence, for your support, for your guidance, for your protection. We thank you. We praise God. We rejoice for the fact that where you call us, you equip us. We praise God. We praise you, Father, for the fact that as you call us to be witnesses and testifiers, you have our back that you cannot be stopped, that your purposes prevail. So God, lead us to the cross yet again. Have our, help us to lift our eyes to you and to Jesus at your right hand. 
God, we thank you that because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we too can have new life, new life now, and life forever. And God, as we trust in your sovereignty, as we trust that you know what you're doing, as we look around at our circumstances that swirl and the painful events in the news, we trust you and your sovereignty. We trust your love. We trust that your purposes prevail. And so, God, as difficulties come, I pray that we would not resent our trials, that we would not um, walk out of jail or walk out of a beating going, man, that wasn't worth it. But instead, God, give us the strength to not resent the trials that you bring us through. Teach us to even rejoice in them. Father, in this passage in Acts, there were multitudes who came and found new life in Jesus. And we know that around us in Dallas and in Oregon and to the ends of the earth, there are multitudes who need Jesus. And that your plan A is the church. That the multitudes who need Jesus are going to hear Jesus because you are at working, are working through us. And so, God, would you work in faith church? Would we recognize you as our unstoppable God? Would we recognize that your kingdom advances, that the gospel spreads? And as we take heart in that, God, would you make us strong in support for you, confident and bold to live for you, empowered by your spirit as your witnesses. So as we consider the cross, as we lift our eyes to Jesus, we ask you, Father in heaven, to strengthen us, encourage us, embolden us to live for you in all that we do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.